Nawaza Podcast, Episode 3, Jake Luigi of Less Impressed, More Involved BJJ. Jake has been training jiu-jitsu for seven years and is a purple belt under Mike Morale of Cave Academy in Pacifica, California. See Nawaza Podcast, Episode 1, for an interview with Mike Morale himself. In 2021, Jake moved to Hawaii with his wife and started the YouTube channel Less Impressed, More Involved BJJ, which to date has 29,000 subscribers. Today, Jake and I sat down to discuss his process of breaking down jiu-jitsu into understandable concepts and strategies to improve as quickly as possible by primarily studying live jiu-jitsu matches and instructional videos by credible sources. Specifically, we discussed half-guard passing and touched a bit on guard retention and methods of drilling to develop timing and accuracy. And I also have to make a personal note, and I apologize for the quality of the interview. Today, I am suffering from a head cold and uh, could have done a better job. But nevertheless, I hope you really enjoy this interview. It was a lot of fun. Thank you. Uh, welcome, Jake Luigi, to the uh, May Watson podcast. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Excited for our conversation. Yeah. So I have been a... Uh, I've been a fan of your of your YouTube channel, Lesser Press More Involved, for a while now. It's it's really good. It's I'm really impressed actually by by like I actually want to know tonight like 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 how do you how do you research that stuff? I mean, what is your method to like to like get into that much detail and be able to find all the information? What do you do with it? Yeah, so um, I would say that my method has changed a bit since mm-hmm. I started mm-hmm. um because i'm learning all this stuff on the fly so initially it was me watching a lot of jujitsu competitions mm-hmm. and just taking notes in my phone about mm-hmm. positions that i saw mm-hmm. and after an event or after multiple events i would just kind of go back and be like man there was like i don't know 10 kimuras that I have written down here. Let me just go like compile all of that footage and see if I can notice any trends that are happening in these Kimuras. Like how are they being mm-hmm. set up? How are they being finished? Mm-hmm. And kind of just walk through the process and see what is working at the highest mm-hmm. level is basically the idea behind the channel. Mm-hmm. And I would basically split up my day between watching instructionals and watching competition footage. Mm-hmm. And then just try and see what techniques were maybe taught in instructionals and also showing up in competition and being successful in competition. Mm -hmm. So that way I would have a better idea of where to focus my training when I wanted to study something. Um, I would know like, okay, out of this eight hour instructional, these specific techniques I see working 10 times in the last like EBI event or whatever. So maybe Mm -hmm. I should study that section of the instructional and then Mm -hmm. branch out from there. But that's Mm -hmm. the that's the meat and potatoes kind of thing, you know? So that's kind of the idea behind it was mm-hmm. I was just trying to find areas to focus on. And the way I did that was studying competition footage. Nice. Nice. Yeah. So I'm going to back up too, because I, I jumped ahead. Why don't, why don't you give us a little bit of your background? Um, I know it, but I think the, the listeners would like to hear it. Um, how did you get started in, in jujitsu and, and uh, who was your, uh, who, who's your coach? Yeah, so I graduated college, moved to the Bay Area, California, mm-hmm. and well, I'm from California originally. I just moved to the Bay Area, and I moved across the street from a jiu-jitsu school, and I was just interested in it because it looked like a way to stay in shape and not have to go do bench press and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so I just joined as a way to do a workout, and 
quickly fell in love with it. And I was at that initial school for like five years. Um, I got my purple belt from them. And then I went to a Craig Jones seminar at Mike's school called Mm -hmm. the cave. Mm -hmm. And um, they were asking questions about how to defend K guard. And I had no idea what K guard was. And this was like a month before the COVID shutdown. Mm -hmm. So after the seminar, we got to roll with, with everyone, you know, and I, I got heel hooked probably about 15 times by nice all of, all of his guys. So um, I kind of knew that I was a, a little bit of a big fish in a small pond over at my, my other school. So mm-hmm. um, I decided to switch over to Mike's school. And then like a month later, COVID hit. Mm-hmm. So stopped training for like a year and then went back to the cave um, Mike school and trained there for about six months. And then my girlfriend at the time, white wife now got a job in Lanai, which is a little Island in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. And we basically had to decide whether or not we were going to take that leap. Cause it was a big move and my job wasn't going to allow me to work remote. So basically we decided to go obviously, and I quit my job and moved out here and basically I started the YouTube channel as a way for me to stay engaged with jiu-jitsu because there's no jiu-jitsu on this island so I would say for the first six months I wasn't able to train at all it was just a lot of watching footage and stuff Mm. and yeah the the YouTube channel has has taken off obviously and Mm. um I'm lucky enough to like work with sponsors and and big people in the in the sport now you know so it's pretty crazy like i've done all of this from my you know mac with a microphone from a remote island you know so it's crazy so so kind of blows my mind a little bit but are you are you did you find somebody to train with now are you doing any kind of training now yeah so it's it's kind of coming together a little bit we have Mm -hmm. there's maybe like five people Mm -hmm. um there's a black belt that lives here. There's his wife's a brown belt. And then there's a blue belt who used to be a cop. And then um, there's another brown belt as well. And then there's like a few newer people. So I would say nice. there's maybe like four or five people that mm-hmm. are experienced and then a couple other newer people. But it's starting to, to come along, which is nice because studying all day and not being able to train will drive you crazy. Not, yeah, <laughs> that's sort of like, it's like you almost get hit with the, with the double pandemic, basically. Yeah, so that's much. what happened. Yeah, yeah. Like during the pandemic, I didn't train either. I just do it. I watched a lot of video, and and just try to keep my mind engaged, and you know, and worked out, and that was it. And then I finally got to go back after a year, um, and I've been going ever since. But, uh, you know, I I my sister in law used to own the dance studio right next to the cave. Gotcha. For years, for years, and I saw the cave there, and I was training jujitsu when I saw it go in, and I. It was like I was already established where I was and whatever, but you know, so I never really made an issue out of like trying to go into train. But now, after my, meeting Mike and you know, and having the interview, if people want to go back and listen to it, it's episode one of the Nawaza podcast, I'm kicking myself in the ass that I did not go in and try to like train on Saturdays when I was there anyway, every week for for like years. Um, but you know, you learn, I guess you know, you live and you learn, but you know, you can't, you can't have regrets, just move forward. But uh, but I and I did, I did, uh, get Mike's uh triangle uh uh instructional and I'm halfway through it and it's it's really good it was like mind-blowing I really enjoyed it it was really good so that's a that's a good uh source you you know you got some some training from it's really good uh, yeah he's an awesome instructor yeah he's really yeah. good yeah um I, I, yeah 
Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, I felt like I got like three, four times better. I trained for five years and then I felt like I got three or four times better in the six months I trained with him as opposed to five years at, you know, like a kind of traditional. Yeah. 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 I believe it. I believe it. He's, he's, yeah, he's got a lot of knowledge. He really, really does. Um, and he moves really well. You just, you know, you watch him like even on his Instagrams and stuff, he just does really good movement. Very talented. Um, so we, we talked earlier and we wanted to, to land on a topic and, you know, you said you had been studying guard passing a lot lately, um, which is cool. And actually, I mean, my, my personal thing I'm doing right now is guard retention um, or trying to get better at it and my guard retention, because I was finding myself starting to develop some bad habits of like allowing people to pass my guard and getting sort of lazy. And one of the black belts in my Academy said, you know, you need to, you need to stop just letting people just push your knees down. Cause that's how you're getting, that's how I'm passing your guard really easily, you know, just, and she gave me some other pointers, but things that I didn't necessarily not understand, but just that I, again, I was just developing these bad habits, just lazy habits. So I made a, I made a, a, a conscious effort to really work on guard retention. And it's just, I mean, within a couple of weeks, it's gotten much better. Um, but, but you said you want to talk about guard passing. And, and I went and looked at your last video, which was a, a video on guard, guard passing based on Gordon Ryan's techniques. And um, that's actually the kind of guard passing that I enjoy too. And so I thought that'd be a really cool conversation to get into. Uh, how, how did you uh, how did you start developing your your study into that topic? Yeah. Um, just before I forget, I'm curious, mm-hmm. why were you developing the the bad habit? Like, did you have like a like a scape you were working on from side control? Did you have like a counter that you were doing that? I was trying to put myself in. I was trying to put, put myself in bad positions. I see. Yeah. So I was trying to like not 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 always uh, try to stop people from passing the guard. I wanted to get in bad positions to work my way out of those positions and right. see if I could get back to guard. And now I'm more of like, I'm, I'm more concentrated on the actual retention. Um, but I, if they start to pass, I really fight really hard now to just retain my guard and not let them pass. And then, and then counter attack as fast as I can. Um, so that's another thing I'm trying to get out of is the idea of passive guard retention, where you're just retaining to retain, you're just going to, you're going to get wiped out. You know, the, I like the idea of, you know, to retain long enough to immediately, you know, go into a, into a, uh, if you can hear my dog walking around in the back, I apologize. Uh, but if you can go immediately go into a, uh, a, a offensive cycle instead of just continually being defensive, that, that was another thing I'm trying to work on. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. So just to go back to your, uh, your question about how I got into guard passing right now, um, you know, I think it, it is probably easier to, to explain like Craig, Craig Jones and the B team have a very good YouTube channel. I'm sure you're mm-hmm. familiar oh, yeah. with it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and Craig has made some very controversial statements and it's what I'm going to make my next video about. But, mm-hmm. um, basically he said that we built a whole sport off of the ability to pull guard and have very dangerous guards and just basically get away with playing off of our back because mm-hmm. people don't know how to actually pin people and hold people down in jujitsu. Right. Whereas if you look at someone like Khabib or Islam, they're able to like effectively hold people down and do like serious damage when they're holding you down. Mm-hmm. Whereas people in jujitsu don't have that ability. Mm-hmm. And you see that often in the UFC where, where people just like, just stand up, you know, kind of thing. Right. Cause people like people who train jujitsu don't know how to hold people down. Mm-hmm. And this, that video came out after I started focusing on half guard, but I think that kind of proves 
the point very well of, of how big of a hole this is in a lot of people's games and why I really wanted to, to put a heavy emphasis on it for the next few months in, in my mm-hmm. training. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. And, and so with that idea of, of, of holding somebody down, is that, is that where you're pushing toward the idea of keeping the opponent flat and with, with yeah. the emphasis from that, from the, from top half guard? Yeah. Flat. Um, but also like a big part of like, uh, if you watch like, again, the, the B teams channel, he talks mm-hmm. about how, if like from the, from a, a person on Bodman's perspective, mm-hmm. he doesn't feel like he's in a bad position. If someone has him in side control, like if he's on mm-hmm. bottom of side control, he doesn't feel like he's in a bad position mm-hmm. because the person is using their arms to control him. As long as they're using their arms to control him, they're not using their arms to punch him. They're not using their arms to submit him. They're using their arms to control him. So he's only in a bad position when they are able to transfer the control from their arms to the, to their legs. So once their legs take over the responsibility of control, mm-hmm. now it becomes dangerous because now their arms are free to, to hit you right. um, in MMA or, or submit you or do whatever. Mm-hmm. So obviously there's, ways to do that from side control you can you know pin arms with your legs you can mm-hmm. transition more to like a north south mm-hmm. what donaher calls the danaher sorry i get i get in trouble because I, I say donaher but it's it's danaher I'm trying to get better about that but uh danaher refers to as the the dorsal position on a, yeah 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 dorsal, yeah so like the, like the kimura type position yeah. yeah yeah so like your legs are controlling them pinning mm-hmm. their head and shoulders and then right. your arms are doing the breaking so like right. the idea is you need to figure out a way to transition that control from the arms to the legs. And the easiest way to do that is to just use half guard and go mm-hmm. from half guard straight to mount instead of mm-hmm. going to side control. Mm-hmm. Um, so a big part of what I've been trying to do recently is force chest to chest half guard and pass not to side control, but pass to mount has, has basically been what I've focused on. Yeah, I actually got an opportunity really recently to train with Sean Williams. And nice. he and he pushed that really hard. That was his thing that he's working on with his athletes is that he's like, don't go to side control. He's like, just push to push to, to mount, you know, go to mount or back control. And and it and it fit right in with like even my my first coach. That's a lot of what he taught us too. And he was a pro MMA fighter, and we you know I trained at AK in San Jose. And uh, so when I first started with him, he was still fighting pro. And so I think I think a lot of the jujitsu that I learned was probably angled toward MMA, you know, and those type type of control positions. Um, but he would do that too. But, but Sean made a big point of that, about, you know, of pushing, like you were even what you were talking about in the video, where pushing the knees away from the opponent and uh, moving straight to, straight to uh, mount as opposed to, you know, a side control or something like that. Right. Yeah. And again, this is kind of like, I've just been working on this video now, so it's like mm-hmm. really fresh in my mind mm-hmm. and it's going to be coming out next week. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh like basically what I've been trying to do is, is if you can't get their knees to, to face away from you, right. They're doing a good Mm -hmm. job of preventing that. And you feel Mm -hmm. like you have to go to side control. Mm -hmm. You should, it's a good idea against good people to switch your head to the other side. So Mm -hmm. like if I'm passing to your left in side control and normally Mm -hmm. my head is um, like on the the right side. Yeah. Across. Yeah. Across. Yeah. Far far shoulder. Yeah. So if you switch your head and you're able to either get like an overhook or an underhook, mm-hmm. now, yes, I pass the side control, but you have no ability to stop me from mounting like right away right. because I have control over that that near side arm. So like 
a big thing that I'm going to talk about in this next video is like, yeah, if you go to mount, but if you have to go to side control, go to side control with control over both their arms. So you can go to mount right away after. Okay. So double underhooks. Yeah. Yeah. yeah underhooks or okay. like Gordon does it with overhook, like underhook, oh. overhook too. Okay. okay. Um, yeah. Whatever. Yeah. But uh, just control it in some, some way. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Um, have you, when you, when you were doing or starting to practice the, uh, top half guard passing, did you have a problem with, with the knee shield or did you have a good solution for that that really didn't bother you? Yeah, no, for sure. It bothers everyone. I yeah. feel like that's probably the most common question in, in jujitsu is how to get past the knee shield. Um, yeah, like knee shield, butterfly half, like high knee shield, low knee shield. Is it mm. a deep knee mm. shield or is mm. it like a shallow knee shield? Like mm. there's just so many variables and that's like just with the lower body. Like what are they doing with the upper body? Are they, mm. you know, pushing on your shoulders? Are they yeah. cross shoulder posts? Like mm. there's so many different things that they can be doing. It's hard to make a video about that. And if you're interested in that, I mm -hmm. would probably recommend, you know, like Gordon's instructional is amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, like Lachlan and, and Submeta has a bunch of material on that as well. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's resources out there that are 12 hours long to right. deal with, with those issues, you know? Right. So, right. Yeah. Um, the, the niche on something else, man, it's, it's tough. Yeah. Um, I, I, go ahead. Yeah. Sorry, I was just going to say, like, I, I was going to talk about this again in, in mm. my, my coming video. Mm. Um, but, like, just the the general idea that I've kind of, like, going back to what you were talking about, offensive mm. and defensive cycles. Mm -hmm. If you Have you seen Gordon's passing instructionals? No, I have not seen them. Okay. So, in his first one, he talks about how, like, he's trying to uh, – like force De La Hiva or reverse De La Hiva. So he gets like one form of inside position. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Like mm -hmm. his foot steps to the inside. Right. To either straight hamstring, which is De La Hiva, mm -hmm. or cross hamstring with his reverse mm -hmm. De La Hiva. Mm -hmm. And then from there, he initiates his pass. But now he's really emphasizing like creating an angle and not stepping inside their legs initially. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and basically forcing them to extend their leg to catch you in oh. reverse daily heba. Does that okay. make sense? Yes. So like from the bottom person's perspective, <laughs> it's like, oh shoot, if I don't do anything, he's going to pass. So I need to put him in reverse daily heba. Mm -hmm. So my reverse daily heba is a defensive reaction. That's like a defensive cycle for me is recovering reverse daily heba. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yes. Whereas... I feel like previously in his first instructional, it was not that it was Gordon was trying to go there and then work his passing from there where like a lot of people are very dangerous from reverse Dale Heba. Does that mm -hmm. make sense? Yeah. So there, he's not putting him in a defensive cycle first before getting to reverse Dale Heba. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. So like, I feel like just like the level of guard passing, like the, the next level is you want to stay in offensive cycles as much as possible. So if I can put you in a defensive cycle where I'm creating an angle and you have to defend and put me in reverse Dale Hiva, yes, I got caught in your guard, but you're still on your defensive mode. And if I can mm -hmm. have an offensive answer right away, mm -hmm. then you, I can basically cycle through, like keep you in a defensive cycle longer mm -hmm. than I previously could. Mm -hmm. And I think the same thing goes for knee shields and addressing those types of, of frames where like, 
I talked about this in a previous video, but like, mm. um, I was studying like Hoffa Mendez and they do a really good job of, of side to side passing and having really good footwork. Mm. So what a lot of people do is they just grab their leg, right. And be like, okay, if I grab your leg, you can't move side to side. So that pretty much shuts down all of your Toriando fancy passing. Mm. But then instead of trying to like break that grip, which by me breaking the grip means that I'm now defensive, right? Like I'm trying mm. to break your grip. Right. So instead of me putting myself in a defensive cycle and trying to break your grip, I'm going to try and exploit your grip. So yes, you're grabbing my heel and putting me in De La Hiva, but now I can take like a scoop grip on your De La Hiva hook. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, underneath you. So, yeah, yeah. So like mm. I'm, I'm scoop gripping your De La Hiva hook now. Mm. So now I'm offensive. Does that mm. make sense? So I'm putting mm. you back in a defensive cycle. So mm. it's, again, it's just like putting yourself more in offensive cycles and eventually you're going to break through mm. kind of thing mm. um, is the, the idea that I've been playing with. Oh, that, that's, that's really good. I, that actually makes a lot of sense. Um, uh, with, let's see where we went to. Um, so that was, so, Okay. So there's different types of passing though, right? So there's, I'm trying to find a way to structure this so that we can get back on or, or, or make sense of, of, of the bottom line of what we're trying to get through to. Um, so there was Toriando passing, you said, there was body lock tight waist passing, there's leg pummeling, floating passing, and then half guard passing. You try to use the first three to get to, or, or Danaher said, you try to use the first three to get to the fourth. Right. And then you begin from the, uh, and you mean a comment about beginning from the end in mind and stated that the North, the North star of guard passing is chest to chest, uh, half guard, correct? Correct. Okay. And then turning the opponent's back flat on the mat by, by pinning the head and shoulders while being able to turn the opponent's knees away from you to the right or left to eventually pass the legs. So something, I don't know, maybe working to free the knee. So is that, was that ever uh, an issue for you or did you have, uh, was it, did you have some good, good uh, answers to that, to that issue as far as free the knee? Yeah, it's definitely, definitely an issue. Okay. Um, yeah. So again, this is all really fresh in my mind because yeah. I'm yeah. talking about it in my, my coming video. So mm -hmm. it's a nice little teaser right now for, yeah, uh, there you go. Yeah. Um, but basically what I found is that if you have like a standard cross face underhook, mm -hmm. it's going to be very hard for them to use the arm that you're underhooking to stop your knee from coming through. Does okay. that make sense? Yes. They're going to be using their other hand to do that. Okay. So it goes back to the idea of double trouble, which if you've seen like Danaher's like leg lock instructional, it's like, yeah. you know, 90% of the, resistance comes from the second leg mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's like the same thing here with half guard like 90 percent of the resistance is going to come from that second arm so if you can that uh, that second arm is going to be doing one of two things it's either going to be like messing with your legs and preventing your knee from coming through mm -hmm. or it's going to be trying to mess with your upper body and loosen up your upper body frames so the way I've been trying to approach it is if that second arm is messing with my upper body and trying to loosen my upper body frames, mm -hmm. then I make sure 
I'm winning the lower body battle. So I'm trying to like pummel in my butterfly hook or mm-hmm. make their knees mm-hmm. face away from me. Mm-hmm. I'm it's hard for them to stop that if they're not using their second hand to help with that lower body battle. Does that make sense? Yeah. But if their second hand is preventing me from doing any of that stuff because it's addressing my legs, then that means it's not doing anything to prevent me from bringing my head to the other side. So if I can bring my head to the other side, then I can work to get double underhooks, get overhook on that second arm and start controlling mm-hmm. that arm in a meaningful way. Mm-hmm. So now when I do free my knee, I'm able to go to a dominant position. So mm-hmm. that's the way I've been trying to approach it is I look at whatever their second arm's doing and I make sure I'm winning the other battle. It's basically the way, the way I've tried to approach it. Nice. Nice. Um, so I'm thinking, you know, on the other hand, I'm picturing what you're doing and I'm thinking of things that people have done to me. Um, one of the things, I don't, I don't know, you, maybe you've had problems with this at one point during your jiu-jitsu career or whatever, when you're trying to pass from top half guard, people try to, um, scoop rip your, your, your free leg to enter into the, into your legs to like, uh, does it make sense? Yeah. Like deep half. Yes. Almost. Yeah. Like yeah. Deep, almost like deep half to go into single, leg, you know, into uh, Irimi Ashigurami or, or single leg X to, to get the leg. Do you, what it, I know in the video, one thing that, that, or that you pointed out that Gordon does is that he moves his knee back toward the hip. I've played around with just pushing more weight down on that knee. Have you ever tried something like that? So I, I try to keep the weight down on the knee so that they can't lift it up. And then I try to scoop under and go for the cross face again. Yeah. Um, I think that's a good idea. Mm-hmm. Like how, how, uh, I think it depends on how like deep they're, they are mm-hmm. on the entry. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Cause like if you're, if they're like all the way underneath your leg and you're like super heavy on your knee, it's, it's like, they're already super deep on the right. entry. So, um, it might be too far gone at that point. If that, mm-hmm. if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. Um, but if they're, not that deep and they just kind of have like an extended arm and they're not like elbow deep on your, on your leg. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I would definitely try and make that knee as, as heavy as possible mm-hmm. and, you know, turn your hip down on that side so you mm-hmm. can walk your legs towards their, um, towards their legs and then mm-hmm. cross face the cross face of the death. <laughs> cross face the crap out of him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice. Nice. So but yeah, half deep half is is one of the, the harder ones for me to for me to prevent, honestly, against bigger people. Yeah, that that's usually the people who usually get me with it are, are bigger than I am. Um, but I have it's one of those things I don't know, like you know, when you're rolling with your buddies and stuff, and somebody pulls something like that off on you, and you're like at least in my case, I'll remember it. And I'll whenever they start trying to pull that crap again, then I, I immediately go into defensive mode and, and and start shutting it down. And nine times out of 10, it works that way. Um, or if I've had it done to me enough times that it, it annoys me and I make a point of shutting it down, it usually works for me. Um, but, you know, you, you can't stop everything. But but I, I, wanted to, I wanted to bounce that off of you because that's something that's been on my mind. And and But again, that's that's uh, the 90, falls into the 90% of the resistance comes from the secondary arm. Right. Like if if I'm know that this, if I'm like actually trying to beat this person, I'm mm-hmm. not trying to work on my deep half escape. Right. I'm just going to switch my head and control that arm. And then right. it shuts down their, shuts their the entry. So, yeah. 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 So yeah. like, um, yeah, from like a early prevention perspective, just control their, their second arm. And yeah. then it, like and then, and then switch, and then switch the head to the, to the, to the other side. So it's closer to the ground and the opposite side of their head and then butterfly hook and 
and knee slide basically. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or push the knee across the hip into three quarter, yeah, or mount. Yeah. That yeah. makes a lot of sense. Another thing that you, you you mentioned on the video that I thought was really cool was the was the um uh the pressure concept, um, uh, which was uh the position of either high or low hips, um conversely, you know, used against smaller or larger opponents. Um, I thought that was a pretty cool concept. Um where you were saying like like uh, hips being, you know, keeping the hips low, which would be, you know, you'd also be caref careful of too much contact because it gives them the leverage to bridge you over. But it also works good for smaller opponents or the concept of keeping your hips high, uh, which where you said it also too much space gives the opponent the ability to recover their guard, but it's good for larger opponents. Could you elaborate on any of that? Yeah. So I, this idea came from Gordon's half guard passing mm -hmm. instructional. So mm -hmm. Again, if you're if you're looking for like how to get past an e shield, how to mm. get past butterfly mm. app, how mm. to do like any of these things, mm. get that instructional. It's like okay. yeah, it's like yeah. twelve hours of how to do all of that. So right, um, yeah. One thing that he said in there was against really explosive people, it's normally a good idea to bring your hips off of there so you don't feel their their bridge, right? Mm. But we have a girl, so I was playing with that a lot, and we have a girl in our gym who's a brown belt, and mm -hmm. man, I swear, every time I would lift my hips up, her knee would come in as like a knee shield and push me away, and it would just kind of all kind of deteriorate, you know, like the position would fall apart. So yeah. basically, the conclusion that I came, like, came to was because Lachlan as well has a lot of material. Yeah, on, I like his material. Yeah. 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 And he's he's much smaller, right? Goes against right. much more smaller, more flexible people, probably mm -hmm. less explosive. Mm -hmm. And he referred to the he he taught the the high tripod kind of position as well, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. it wasn't his like primary form of passing. He preferred more of like a low type of passing. Right. So again, going back to that like Venn diagram kind of thing of what Mike described in the, in the episode where you mm -hmm. kind of get information from multiple sources and see the details that they both say, because it's probably important right. if they both say it. And if right. there's not some details that are left out of, you know, one or the other, mm -hmm. try and figure out why. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I thought Lachlan preferred a low type of passing is because against smaller, kind of more flexible people, mm -hmm. when you lift your hips off of theirs, they can, you know, have a better chance of pummeling in butterfly hooks, pummeling in their knee shield, things like that. Whereas against bigger, more explosive people, it's probably going to be less likely that they're going to do that and more likely that they're, they're, that they're going to bridge. Mm -hmm. um, so that's the idea. Um, and that's the the sources that I got that information from. And that makes a lot of sense because I know I mean, my personal my personal experience. I mean, I've been able, I've had times where I've been able to hold down big, bigger guys than me, you know, I mean, I can do it, but it's not easy. It, it takes a lot of energy and, and, but I can also think of a lot of times where I got pushed away by big guys. So yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Um, and I'm going to play with that actually with the, that idea. I want to go and uh, try that out, but you were saying too, that with both of those scenarios, regardless, again, you went back to keeping the opponents back flat in the mat. That was a big thing I really got out of the video as far as like an underlying thing is keep the opponents back flat on the mat and keep their knees, you know, pointed away from you. Um, one thing Sean talked about too, during that seminar I, I went to, and I think I've heard Gordon say it too before is the, the idea of keeping pressure on the far shoulder so they can't turn into you. 
So, so uh, you know, not not just being flat, but also that pressure in that point, you know, the far shoulder. Um, have you definitely. found that to be effective yourself? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, okay. Definitely. Um, one thing I would say though is if you're like too much over that far shoulder, mm -hmm. I found that sometimes they mm -hmm. they try and roll yeah, you that roll way. You, yeah, they roll you over. Yeah. So like, um, I don't remember if Gordon Gordon might say this in his instructional, but I remember. Um, there's a guy named Owen O'Flanagan. Mm -hmm. He talked about in his podcast, I, I think he might've gotten it from Gordon. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But uh, he talked about how when you're doing that kind of high tripod method where you're a little more vulnerable to being tipped in that direction, mm -hmm. that your pressure should really be more just like straight over their face okay. and just like suffocating them as opposed to over out um, over their, their shoulder. That, make, that makes sense. a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And there was a, there was a point you made in the video too about that where about using your head as opposed to in that direction if they do like like if they're if they are trying to push you that direction because they don't have any other option because you flatten them out and they're trying to push towards your uh, towards your head side you can actually use the head as a post or uh, I guess you wouldn't want to well I get well or you can move the cross face arm over the north north of the head to post out that way as well yeah definitely yeah the the time I really use my head as a post is exactly mm -hmm. what you're talking about when like you only have the cross face and you don't have the underhook mm -hmm. and you've really walked their legs to face away from you and your hands out wide for right. base right but then you need to use that hand to help free your knee from like a three-quarter mount mm -hmm. situation mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so when you take that hand from the post to help free your knee that's often where I put my head on the ground before I take my hand off the ground to mm -hmm. like, you know, help um, stabilize you in that direction. And then you can free up your hand to help, help for your knee and, and things like that. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, one thing, one thing I've been playing with uh, from bottom half guard um, is the idea of using a knee lever to open up an underhook. So not so much that I don't know if you, if you play with that or if you, if you like it, but the idea of like, you're doing like the John Wayne or the knee lever pass, I mean, him sweep, excuse me. And, and you're not really trying to actually, well, I guess you, if you, if they don't post, you just, you do sweep them, but the real intention is to get them to post out with their hand and, and open up the underhook. Uh, have you had good, good experience with that? Or is that something you, you like, or. Yeah, definitely. I love that from bottom. bottom yeah, half, right? yeah, yeah. 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 I was thinking about that. And, and I've been having uh, one of the Brown belts in my academy loves uh, he loves uh uh, half butterfly and I know Gordon Ryan likes that too and that is a freaking hard guard to get past yeah it's annoying um, yes it is annoying and, and I saw that I saw that uh, that pummeling escape or a pummeling pass you showed on that that you were demonstrating or you didn't demonstrate but you had a video of it on, on your video and it looked like it was like kicking the heel to your own glutes and then coming over to the side to the inside to get past yeah it. it's like a hip switch kind of pass yeah yeah um yeah, I think if I remember correctly, I said like it shouldn't be like, uh, uh, like go to. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I've just found when when you try something like that, it tends to work or not work. And like, if it doesn't work, the downside is now you're back to like closed guard or like open guard. Like you go, right. you lose a lot when it doesn't work. You know? Right, right. You lose a lot of a lot of ground, and you got to make it yeah. back up. Yeah. And you know, yeah. for for an older athlete like me, probably not going to try that yeah it's probably too ballistic for me you know because if it yeah. goes bad it's gonna go real bad real fast you know <laughs> so yeah, it's probably not something i would try um that is something i was hoping to talk to you about tonight too like like other options to deal with you know the inside butterfly hook you know yeah man i feel like i again like i i just watch a lot of 
instructionals right. and watch right. a lot of competition footage. Right. So like, again, buy Gordon's instructionals. I will, I will, I will, I'll go buy it. Stuff, I will so. buy it. I will yeah. buy it. Yeah. I'm going to check it out. It's on there. It's all on there. It's worth it. It must be worth the investment. So yeah. yeah. Um, but basically his advice mm -hmm. is that if you lose the butterfly hook battle and they get a butterfly hook in on you and your mm -hmm. chest to chest half mm -hmm. guard, mm -hmm. it's a good idea to maintain your cross face, but let go of your underhook okay. because you sticking with that underhook makes you mm -hmm. vulnerable to be off balanced in either direction with that butterfly hook. Mm -hmm. So the idea is if I can walk your knees to face away from me and I can put my hand out wide in that direction, your butterfly hook can only off balance me in that direction where my like base of support is super strong. Mm -hmm. So yes, I lost that battle, but you have no ability to actually use that butterfly hook to off balance me. So basically Gordon's advice is don't get too like dead set on, I got a cross face and underhook. I can never let this go. I need to squeeze for dear life. Mm -hmm. Be like, okay, I lost the battle at the lower body, which means I need to make my base a little wider at the upper body to compensate for my, me losing that battle. Um, so that is a huge detail that will dramatically help your success with that. Beautiful. Like I, I pretty much guarantee that it's going to work. <laughs> like it's, it's beautiful. Amazing. Beautiful. Yeah. So yeah, that, that's interesting. And, and you know, with that Sean Williams seminar, I went to um, one thing that he showed that I found was really useful for guard passing was actually a position where he put, he put the opponent, the seated opponent, and it was a body again. It was a body lap passing seminar, but he put he put the opponent in a position so that their head was behind the line of their hips, and it would turn the core on but turn the legs off, and it made it possible for you to um, use your legs to control their their legs, you know, for the you know their feet with with your knees, and to post one leg out and then use a turning motion to turn the person on their side in the same direction as your posted leg, and then you could step over the knee into, into the, the, the passing position. Um, but I found that that same position too worked for like uh Toriando passing. It just sort of like, it, it puts you, it puts the other person. It felt like it put the other person like in a position where they just couldn't move. They couldn't react to it and you could spin them quickly. I don't know. Have you ever, you ever seen something like that or experienced something like that? Very interesting. All right. So for the body lock, were they uh, like, was the bottom person ended up flat on their back or were they not no, on their side? Like on their side, if they went to their back, then he did it, what it was called a shin. I think he called it a shin pick pass where you would basically take the hand and invert the hand, cover their shin and then uh, uh, back step into the side, into a pass into like a, like sort of like a uh, smash pass. Uh, oh. So yeah, he had, he had a follow up for that. If they weren't flat back, that was what he did. He didn't actually do the body lock pass from the flat position. Um, so when he did the, when it, when it was body locked and he turned the person, they actually turned onto their side almost like bottom half guard it was almost like the same position but not but with you know you had the arms underneath and the, the tight waist and then he would step over the knee so and it worked really well it was it was i tried body locking in other versions before like you know from you know youtube videos or you know shorts and stuff like gordon would show or danaher and i found i didn't get as much success you know from what they were showing in those videos and then we we did this seminar and it was like right away it was like we were all getting it like like a lot better 
Um, so I don't know if he if you'd seen that before, but wanted to pass it. You know, I haven't. I I really like Sean Williams too. I think he's he's awesome. Yeah, there's actually a YouTube um, video of him doing it though on his YouTube channel, and I will okay. I'll, I'll I'll grab it after we're done with this, and I'll uh, I'll send you the link on on Instagram. I appreciate it. it. Thank you. Yeah, yeah no problem. Yeah, I I like the idea though of uh like tension, like noticing where the tension is in people's body. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot to that. Yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. But yeah, but like I even said earlier, like in that seminar, he was again pushing the idea of uh, pushing the knees away from you know the opponent's knees away uh, into like uh, leg dragging positions and uh, and going straight to mount or back control, you know, and using a lot of like uh, underhooks, you know, with the fingers on the AC joint and and uh, pushing your body uh, like diagonally across so that your head's you know over their far far shoulder. Um, he said he showed it to Gordon too. And like Gordon said that he felt like he was like, he reminded him of, uh, of like, of like fighting Jake Shields. It's the same mm-hmm. type of feeling. And I think Gordon actually used it. He took some of that information from Sean and used it later on and, and won some matches with it. Um, so I'll, 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 like I said, I'll, I'll send you the video and you can check it out and go from there. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Um, so one thing I also found interesting about the video that you put out was how you gave different options for like, you know, if you have a cross face and underhook, which is what you want, you know, it's, I guess that's like the ultimate position. That's ultimately really what you want is a cross face and underhook. Correct. Um, but then you also had, um, but, but you did make a point of saying not to chase the position, like, like wait till you actually have the chest to chest contact before you solidify the, the, the cross face and underhook. Correct. correct. Or the, yes. Okay. Um, otherwise, if you don't, if you, if you chase it, what happens? Or what can happen? Um, yeah. If you, if you, so in general, the path to get to a cross face and underhook is again, I go through this again, by mm-hmm. my mm-hmm. video, but like, mm-hmm. and this is all from Danaher and, and mm-hmm. Gordon's philosophy mm-hmm. that you're going to first force, <clears throat> sorry, my voice is kind of going. No, it's okay. Uh, you're going to first force a kind of low chest to chest half guard, like same as you'd, you'd be if you had a body lock and you just stepped over one of their legs, you end up in kind of like a low half guard scenario, but you're past their knee shield. They don't have a butterfly hook, things like that. So you first get to that low chest to chest position. And then from there you do what's called, they call a cranial shift where you work up to control the head and shoulders. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So basically again you're going to have some sort of tactic to get past their knee shield to get past their butterfly hook whatever they have to do to get to that low chest chest position and then you're going to work up to control the head and shoulders where if you if you try and skip the low chest to chest position you run the risk of running like giving them all of your weight pretty much and leaving your legs light so now mm-hmm. they have the ability to off balance you with their butterfly hooks or you know, different attacks with their, their knee shields, obviously. Um, yeah. So that's basically the risk. Like if you don't beat their legs first and you rush to control the upper body, you run the risk of them being able to use their legs to off balance you and, and therefore, you know, go into counterattacks. Yeah. Like butter, get, get to, uh, inside butter, butterfly hooks and et cetera, elevate you, yeah, get in your legs, et cetera. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so why don't we switch gears a little bit and go into some guard retention? So I guess, you know, 
I, I like to actually play as an older athlete. I actually like to play a lot of half guard. That's like my, my thing. I like half guard. Um, I like half guard. I like Kimura's. I like uh, uh, various triangles, you know, like side, you know, Yoko, Yoshiro, uh, Mote, Sankaku. I like, um, and again, like I said, all the Kimura positions and combine those back and forth. Uh, but one thing I've been doing a lot with my guard retention, um, I've been trying to focus on, I guess the things I've been trying to keep in mind are keeping my center line centered up with the opponent, um, not letting them push both of my knees to one side or the other, um, uh, step overs, things like that. Um, do you, when you think of guard retention, what are the biggest things like conceptually that, that you keep in your head when you're doing it? Yeah, I think um, those two things that you said are, are really, really important. Like yeah. obviously keep your feet um, pointed towards them or your knees pointed towards them mm -hmm. at the, at the least. Mm -hmm. um, and then, like you said, if you do get flanked as mm -hmm. they, they say mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. use again, their terminology, mm -hmm. um, you can high leg mm -hmm. over mm -hmm. and, uh, retain your guard. But again, like you talked about earlier that you're going to get beat if you're just focused on retention. Right. So the game that we're playing is can the offensive person keep an offensive cycle long enough to pass the guard or can yeah. the bottom person go into an offensive cycle of their own kind of right. thing. Right. And uh, again, to, uh, to Craig's point, they talked about in, in the YouTube video that mm. like he felt that people like himself who built a career off of bottom half guard and, mm. and love attacking from that position mm. are only able to to do that because the top person is not good at holding people down from that position and, and passing from that position right. and we're starting to see people like gordon where it's like as soon as he gets on top it's, everyone's like oh it's over you know mm -hmm. so right um yeah it's 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 very interesting um and i i hope that people in jujitsu don't take it the wrong way because like the stuff he's saying is basically like shattering all the beliefs that we've held forever mm -hmm. that like mm -hmm. jujitsu is the you know apex martial art for mma and mm -hmm. then basically these russian guys come along and are like no you're not that good you no. know well they wrestle um, bears so yeah exactly you know but uh yeah like i mean basically they're saying like they should take away black belts and stuff because i did hear that actually yeah. i did see part of that video i remember i remember him saying that and i remember him talking about the whole aspect of the of the arms about striking and everything i do i do recall that i'm gonna go back and watch it again though because it sounds like there's a lot of good stuff in there I, I saw it like i was glancing through something i wasn't like really concentrating that day and i was just really you know i was just flashing through a couple of videos when i had a couple of seconds and i saw it but i do remember that him saying that that you know that a lot of black belts shouldn't have their black belts etc um and and you know it's but that even goes back to sort of like, you know, Danaher sort of did a bit, you know, was a big influence on, on, on ranking in jujitsu today where he sort of changed the, you know, the, the, um, the criteria of what a black belt should be, you know? And so I don't think you see as many, you know, people getting promoted to black belt as quickly now. Um, but who knows? I mean, I think it's all, it's all individual. It's hard to say. It's like different schools, different people, different relationships, different situations. So who knows? And in, I mean, if you're looking at 
I don't know. I mean, if you're looking at, you know, the top of the top, like Craig Jones and Gordon Ryan and those guys. Yeah. I, I, I could say, or you could say that, you know, there's that, that, that way of thinking about it. Um, I don't know. What, do you have any personal thought on that? Yeah. I mean, like you said, the belt is so like arbitrary. It like mm-hmm. doesn't even mean anything anyway. So. No. Um, yeah. I, I think it's just kind of like, it'll get clicked. So I'll probably say something about like <laughs> click black belt to do this or something right, in my title, right, you know, but right. like at the end of the day, it's like, it doesn't matter. You know um, I think it's just kind of like a mindset shift. We as jujitsu people need to make. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I hope it doesn't um, like turn a lot of people off, you know? Yeah. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, personally, I mean, I just want to get better. I mean, if, if, if I learn some new concept or have a different mindset or something about how to make me better, then that's good. That's just growth. But sometimes growth is painful, you know? And, and I mean, we've already gone through one era of, of, I was talking about this with the last person with, with, uh, that, that I, with Alex Turner that I interviewed, you know, with that, who's with Atos and he does our strength conditioning. And we were talking about the fact that, you know, we are, we already went through the, the first transition where the Gracie's tried to tell us all that we didn't need to be strong to do jujitsu or, or strength wasn't important, you know, and it didn't matter how small you were. Well, if the other guy knows what, you know, it does matter. You know, those things do matter. I mean, look at Gordon Ryan. He's not, you know, a lot of those guys, they, they are in incredible shape, you know, but there's a reason for it because they're all like that. And then you can't, you can't, unless you have all those weapons, you can't, you can't uh, uh, perform at that level. So, you know, it's, it is what it is. But that's, this is the same type of thing where, you know, we're going to another, maybe another level where, or another plateau where things are going to change again, or mindsets are going to change again. And, and it seems to be more of a, it, I might be wrong, but it seems to be more of like a no-gi ADCC slash MMA type of, you know, uh, pool of people who are going that direction. It's not so much your, you know, your, your traditional IBBJF, you know, gi competitor uh, type of uh, jujitsu uh, uh, person. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, the only person that's really, I think, going to go in this direction is someone who's competing in MMA, like you said, or in like a sub only mm-hmm. context where like, yeah. otherwise it makes sense to go to side control because you get three points. Like, obviously right. it's a good right. position. So right. like, um, yeah. So like, I think the only people that are incentivized to make a more like practical martial art you could mm-hmm. say like mm-hmm. and control people better mm-hmm. are the people that are rewarded for that and that is the sub only people mm-hmm. where it doesn't matter if i go to side control i just need to control you you know right so right. if i can control you better from half guard then i should stay in half guard no, um, exactly. so yeah i think uh like you said i think we're really only going to see this in like no gi specific kind of mm-hmm. um rule sets but um yeah, I think overall it's going to be a more lead to a more practical form of of martial art. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, I think I mean, or maybe you see like a metamorphosis type of you know gi, you know sub only type of tournament, which I wish they would do more of. I, I like those are like you know the fight to win type thing, where it is sub only. I really enjoy that. Um, I mean, I've competed in a lot of you know gi tournaments myself. You know, during white and blue belt days. Um, and then the pandemic hit when I was about to compete as a purple belt. So, you know, I plan on competing next year, but I'm actually going to do no gi now because that's primarily what I do. You know, I went through my first seven years, I did primarily all gi. And then when I changed academies, um, the academy where I train now is primarily no gi. 
So we only do two gi classes a week and they're in the morning and, and I'll go to them. And I still do a little bit of gi, but primarily everything else I do is no gi. So I think I'm going to actually compete in no gi this time uh, going forward this year. Um, but yeah, but, but even when I did, going back to my point, about the points and everything, I absolutely uh, 1000% agree with you because when I stopped just trying to submit and started playing the game of points in those tournaments, I started winning. You know, I did get some submission wins, but I got some wins where it was just points. And, you know, I would work the positions and, you know, get side control, neon belly, mount, whatever, whatever you could do to get the points. Because I knew if I racked up the points, even if I didn't get the submission, as long as I can control the other guy and not screw up the last second, I'd probably win. So, you know, I can see that, but it's not my favorite way personally of watching jujitsu now, you know, to, in this, this, at this time, you know, I really don't prefer that type, but, you know, I like, that's why I like the, like ADCC was really exciting. I mean, I watched the whole thing. I didn't get to go to it. Unfortunately, I'd like to go next time, uh, but I did watch the whole thing on flow all weekend and it was, it was really exciting. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, definitely. Um, I actually just made a video exactly what you're talking about, about how like um, strategy and tactics and things like that. Like, mm -hmm. I think a lot of people for like the sub only format mm -hmm. gave them a platform to basically say, I don't need to worry about points or anything like that. I can just mm -hmm. throw all the moves I've been practicing at you. And mm -hmm. if it works, it works. If it doesn't mm -hmm. work, you might pass my guard, but I'm going to recover and I'm going to throw them all at you again, kind right. of thing, you know? Right. Um, and I think that leads to an exciting style, but I also mm -hmm. think it leads to a relatively like ineffective style where mm -hmm. like, like we're talking about for like UFC and stuff, like mm -hmm. if it doesn't work and the person actually knows how to control you, mm -hmm. it's going to be hard to, to get out and you're just going to be mm -hmm. exhausting and you're mm -hmm. going to get beat up a bit you get before you get yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I think it's important to start to develop ways to like, if you're in like the way I've been thinking about this mm -hmm. and the way Gordon explains it in his mm -hmm. instructional is like, if you go for a darts, if you're like in top half guard, the guy sits up on an underhook and mm -hmm. you go for a darts. Mm -hmm. If that darts doesn't work, do you like reset the situation or do you say, okay, the darts doesn't work, but now I have an underhook mm -hmm. and I go right into my half guard pass. So mm -hmm. yes, the, the, like tactic of a Dars didn't work, but it got me closer to like a it improved my position. Does that make sense? Yeah. So like I think we're we're seeing it a lot in like leg locks now, where leg lock specialists are also getting really good at using leg locks. Mm -hmm. And as people kind of like drop their <laughs> hips lower to get to the ground and defend the leg locks, mm -hmm. their hips are now accessible and able to like come up on a body lock or come up right. on a wrestle up or things right. like that. So like yeah, you're defending my attack and instead of just like, I'm going to try it again and go to like step two. Now mm -hmm. it's like, okay, yeah, you defended it, but I'm like in a much more dominant position now. So right. I think um, that's a big step where you're, you're using strategy, mm -hmm. but it's not in like the traditional like points sense, if that makes sense. Right. Or like even, yeah, you know, that, that reminded me of another point in the video, in the passing video where you were talking about cross face with no underhook. And you were saying, you know, you could, if you're in that position, uh, you could always bring your crossface arm to the other side to reverse crossface and threaten to threaten the guillotine and then move right. them out. Yeah. So it's the same type of concept. Yeah. Yeah. That's no, awesome. Yeah. Um, 
fun stuff. It is fun. I mean, it's it's <laughs> it's interesting though. It's like you know, it's like chess. It, it it's and it's like it's it's funny. I can watch these videos and I can I can I can see what you're doing or what you're explaining, and I can see what they're doing. But there's also that aspect of drilling. It's like how how much drilling do you do for these concepts, or or, or are you the type of person that? Because I know on my own experience, I can like watch stuff. And I'm very conceptual in the way I learn. And, and as opposed to like a series of movements, if I can remember certain concepts, I will see that situation in my mind from what I saw in the video. And I'll be able to recreate that, that defensive technique or the, or what I was trying or what I was seeing. I don't, without the drilling aspect of it, but when it comes to like specific, you know, setups and so forth, I feel like I need to drill those things. What's your experience with that? Yeah, I think uh, I'm kind of thinking a lot about this as well, but like um, I think more like not necessarily like dead weight drilling, mm -hmm. but like more kind of like dynamic drilling right. where the person right. is giving you resistance. But mm -hmm. like if I'm working my half guard passing, you're allowed to give me resistance, but I'm always going to win. Mm -hmm. So like, if you start to get out, you mm -hmm. pause and I have to be like, oh shoot, your knee shield's coming in. Maybe mm -hmm. I should switch my hips a little bit to like mm -hmm. cut your knee shield out kind of thing, right. you know? Right. Um, so like, I think more drilling, but um, like I, I, we do that a lot. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I think, so I think more like dynamic drilling as opposed to static drilling is going to be mm -hmm. more more beneficial yeah i find yeah i find that like positional sparring and, and and the type of drilling you're talking about i think works really well because i think a lot of it is that it's the aspect of the timing it's like you might see something but if but if you don't have like the reaction time built in you're not going to pull it off in time you're going to be that you know that step behind you know like if maybe like they're getting you there you're on top half guard and you know and they're getting an underhook and you know you need to back step you know, uh, uh, to get to either, you know, cross Oshie or, or just, or just do the back step to go to uh three quarter mountain or truck or whatever. It's just having that, that, that reaction time to actually pull it off and do it as opposed to, you know, they get the underhook and then next thing you know, you're wizarding and then they're fighting to get your back and, and it's all going to shit. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, so, you know, I, I think that that's my thing with it is like, I would like to find, I, I want to just bounce it off you because I'm, I'm trying to figure out a way to, to be able to drill those things in the amount of time I have to do it, you know, but still at the same time, really get effective at those things. I don't know. I know it's hard. It's hard for me to describe what I'm, what I'm, what I'm thinking, but, yeah. um, but I think you, yeah. you think, I think you understand. Yeah. I think um, like, I think positional sparring mm -hmm. is very beneficial, but I think like also like positional, like, like positional drilling. Mm -hmm. And now if you, I don't know if you listen to the, I suck at jujitsu podcast. If you're I haven't heard of that. I've got to check yeah. it out. Yeah. Um, he, he refers to it as designated winner, where it's basically like exactly what I described. It's like, mm -hmm. it's like positional sparring, but with way less intensity and one person always wins. Okay. So like you're allowed to do stuff and defend, but you're not allowed to win. If that makes sense. So you're giving reactions mm -hmm. and the person who's supposed to be the, the person practicing the move mm -hmm. is able to see those reactions and deal with them. Not necessarily in real time, but mm -hmm. at least in like a more realistic scenario than like, mm -hmm. Oh, just lay here and like pass right. my half guard, you know? Right. right. Um, so, so you're yeah, sort of, it's, you're, so you're sort of feeding reactions to them basically is what you're doing. You're kind of bridging the gap a bit between mm -hmm. like dead 
drilling and positional sparring. Cause mm-hmm. a lot of times it's a big jump to go from like doing like practicing how to pass half guard against someone not resisting and then going to positional sparring where they're like fighting for their life to not let you pass. Right. It's, it's a big jump to make. So um trying to bridge that gap a little, a little mm-hmm. more. And I think that's kind of where the the big leaps happen is in that middle ground. Cool. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna quote Dan her on my next question. My next question. What about when all that other stuff fails and you're like, fuck it, do a leg walk. So what are your, what are your favorite ways to get into the legs from like top half guard? Uh, when they do, uh, when they go deep half mm-hmm. um, and you just basically spin all the way around their, their head uh-huh. and uh, maybe you like give them a, like a really nasty cross face a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, Oh, I really need to like shoot underneath this guy. And then they mm-hmm. shoot underneath you and you just spin around and you, you take their leg and and you end up like, you know, on top of them in mm-hmm. inside Senkaku. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that's like my favorite place to be when you're like sitting on top of someone in inside Senkaku because you mm-hmm. can go belly down and do mm-hmm. like some belly down finishes that are pretty, uh, pretty hard to stop. Nice. Nice. Yeah, that's my favorite one. I, I try I'm, not to do it too often because I'm trying to work on my actual <laughs> deep half defenses, but right. it's right. there more often than not. <laughs> right. No, the, the one I've been working on, I got uh, from from one of the brown belts in the academy. And actually, I, I've seen Gordon Ryan talk about this too, I think, is the concept of uh, like against a knee shield of, of attacking a toehold and making it like uh, like a real attack so that they have to straighten their leg. When they straighten their leg, go to reverse half and pass during a three-quarter. Right. What, what do you think of that? Yeah, no, I think anything that uh, gets their knee shield out of the way mm-hmm. is... Uh... Fair play. <laughs> right. right. Or, or the butterfly, what is the other one? The butterfly hook to um to a Remy, where you can get the inside the the bottom butterfly hook into the thigh and then go into a uh, single leg X. Yeah. Yeah. Is that what yeah, you know, uh Mason Fowler. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he he tried that in ADCC and um his butterfly hook that that he pummeled in from the mm-hmm. top mm-hmm. when he went for that outside heel hook, mm-hmm. it his butterfly hook fell out and uh Owen counter heel hooked him and, oh uh, no oh that's how he got a hook i didn't get to see his match yeah. yeah yeah he's here in town he's here he uh trains at uh cta yeah yeah in town, yeah. yeah yeah i've been uh been trying to get a hold of him he's, he's a pretty busy guy um so, yeah but i didn't get to see his match I, I i missed his match i heard that he got heel hooked but i didn't get to see it i, I could probably i guess if i really wanted to see it i could probably find it by now i could probably go on flow grappling it's probably on there somewhere yeah um, and check it out yeah um any other any other points or anything you want to bring up about half guard passing anything that pops uh, off yeah, we've, we've, been, we've been talking for a little for while, a while right? yeah wow yeah. <laughs> yeah so so how long have you been doing the 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 um the youtube channel um i started it over covid mm-hmm. but uh i've been doing it like full time for mm-hmm a little over a year we moved out here um october 26th of last year so like okay. a year and a month ish nice and how yeah. and, and I, you know how i how i found out about you is through jordan from uh, jordan uh person yeah she's yeah. yeah i interviewed him a while back and I, I like to follow him and i remember i was listening to his podcast and he, and he brought up your your uh youtube channel on the podcast as one of his favorite channels and so i went and checked it out and that's how i found it you know how long does it take you to put together one of those videos a long time a long time I bet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah um yeah i do this full time now so mm-hmm. um 
yeah, it's a long time. Cause like I, uh, especially now I've been trying to study a lot more about YouTube and how to mm. just be like an actual business behind the scenes right. and how to tell a better story and just kind of present information better. So it's not just jujitsu. There's a lot that, that goes into it and mm. it's definitely a full-time job, if not more than that. So, um, yeah, it's, a. I'm sure like a lot of people out there can, uh, like relate to this, but like, if you try and start your own kind of like business, uh-huh. you're always, you're always thinking about it. You're always like on the clock pretty much, you know, like right. I always, I always feel like I'm trying to, to make this YouTube channel better. So. Yeah. There's a lot of pressure. It's, yeah, you know, it's if you don't, you don't succeed, you know, you sink. Yeah. It's a lot of pressure. You know, it reminds me of like, you know, right when Ryan Ford used to talk about start, starting the grappling central podcast, you know, when he was like, didn't have a job and he was like, I'm just going to give it a year and I'm going to go at it and look at him now. I mean, he's really successful, you know, as far as podcasting, he's, he's, you know, he's got a really good, you know, uh, uh, he's successful in a lot of ways, but I mean, but as far as like podcasting in his business, he's, you know, he's got a, a solid, you know, gig going on with a, with a large company and, you know, he's doing well for himself, but yeah, I'm sure there were some times where he was stressing out and I would. So I have a lot of respect for you guys. You guys are brave. You know, I, I, you know, I have a, I have a, you know, solid job that, you know, I earn a paycheck and do my thing. And I, I, doing that would would terrify me. So I give you guys a lot of props. You guys are brave. You're doing it the the smart way for sure. (laughs) Yeah, but you're doing it the brave way, you know, and you're doing something you really enjoy doing. So it's a good thing. It's good. Uh, I'm glad it's uh, working out so far. Yeah. I mean, it's great. I mean, how many followers do you have now? You've got a bunch now, don't you? Uh, almost 30. Yeah. Thousand. Nice. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Nice. When is, and just, just for my own information, when did, when does the money start kicking in on YouTube? I mean, how many followers do you have to get to and so forth? Um, it's a thousand followers and you start okay. getting paid, but mm-hmm. like, again, I, I might make a YouTube video about this just to mm-hmm. like put people's expectations into perspective. Cause mm-hmm. like for me, I had no gauge. Right. Mm-hmm. And like a lot of people ask me this question because it's just such like an odd profession. And like, mm-hmm. I mean, not don't take like offense to this or anything. No, no, but no, like, no. Um, yeah. Like everyone always asks, like, it's, it's like kind of rude to ask, like how much money do you make kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But like, everyone always asks me that. And mm-hmm. I don't really have like a good answer for mm-hmm. that. But uh, like advertisers in YouTube mm-hmm. pay you based on the amount they get paid if that makes sense so like Mm -hmm. if you make finance youtube videos Mm -hmm. the people who are advertising on those finance channels pay a certain amount of money to google all right so google pays you based on the amount the advertisers pay them nice so jujitsu advertisers don't pay that much money to run their ads on your jujitsu videos Right. right so i was watching some videos and like finance people are like oh yeah i get like 40 dollars for every thousand views i get and i'm like oh shoot like mm-hmm. if i can like actually get to a thousand subscribers mm-hmm. i can like mm-hmm. start making some decent money right and then i get to a thousand subscribers and it's like i'm making like a 20th of that for every wow. yeah. thousand views yeah. you know like it was like just really like took the air out of my sails a bit you know it was mm-hmm. like i had super high expectations like oh i finally mm-hmm. got to a thousand right. right and then it's like you're like the first month you make like, you know, $12. And it's oh, like, wow. Yeah. It's like, cool. It's awesome that you're starting mm-hmm. to make money, mm-hmm. but it's like, I literally spent like 
60 We're, hours this week right. working on this YouTube channel. And I made 12 and, uh, Yeah, Yeah, it kind of kind of took the wind out of my sails a bit. So um, yeah, it's just, it's just all uh, so volatile. And mm. in the like space, Jordan's been a big mm. yeah. resource for me to lean on because right. he's, he's super nice. And, yeah, he uh, is. He's a really good guy. Yeah. Yeah, he's kind of uh, helped me along along the way, kind of mm-hmm. navigate through the growth of, of my YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad I have some like mentor in that regard now to kind of mm-hmm. set my expectations a bit more because mm-hmm. um, yeah, like like I said, my my expectations were high, and then it it right it deflates you a bit when uh when you set expectations and they're not on right. that. So, well, I won't ask you how much you make because it's none of my, <laughs> it's not a lot. So, so. I know, but I wasn't, I didn't even want to even ask you that. I was just wondering like when it actually kicked in, but you know, just for my own view, you know, for my own YouTube channel, which isn't going anywhere, but um, yeah. Cause it's like, I actually got your name from Jordan. He's the first person I reached out to. And just by coincidence, when I interviewed Mike, I found out that, that you trained under him. And I was like, wow, that's like, it's a small world, but you know, and that's how it all happened. So, but yeah, I was, I was going to reach out to you uh, uh, anyway, but the thing with Mike sped it up and it was actually a nice connection. And I'm really glad that he actually introduced us. I had a really good time talking to you today. Uh, Me too. Yeah. I enjoyed our conversation. It was fun. It was fun. So where, where can people reach out to you if they want to, if they want to hit you up? Yeah. um, My YouTube channel is left impress more involved and my instagram is short haired jake and that's pretty much the only social media that i manage and i'm i'm way more active as far as like content posting on mm. youtube that's been mm. my primary focus and i've kind of started posting stuff on instagram not too much but um yeah i would say reach out to me on on instagram and i'll i'll reply to you awesome all right well hey Again, thank you very much for coming on. It was an honor to have you on and it was a fun conversation bouncing some uh, half guard uh, strategies off each other, uh, you more than me. Um, but, uh, again, thanks Jake. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Thanks.